welcome back to the Traction Podcast. Today, Tom and I are going to be talking about racing games that have aged like fine wine. My name is Justin, and the voice you're about to hear is Tom. Hi there. Yeah, good to be here. Happy to talk about this subject. Looking forward to it. Uh, so first thing we want to do is actually, you know, kind of explain what we're talking about here today. So there's multiple types of games. So this could be either a game that has been updated like crazy to be much better than it was at launch, which is more and more common as time goes by, or potentially a game that just has aged really well, you know, that we didn't right. fully appreciate it back when it initially came out, but now with the passage of time, we can look back on on this game uh, and and we can fully appreciate uh, what was best, what was great about it. Um, do you have? Are there many games that you can think of anyway? Uh, I'll, I'll start oh, with you, Tom. Yeah, I could think. We could. I think we could both think of absolutely loads of these, right? And I'm sure the listeners would. So, bear in mind, we're just going to cover a few some of our sort of top picks, but we're not saying that these are the best or worst games in the world. And there's plenty more that you can put in the comments or we'll speak on different podcasts. So just bear that in mind. But, um, oh yeah, there's absolutely loads I can think of and I'm sure you can as well, Justin. Uh, Shall we uh, kick off with the first one? Yeah, uh, and in fact, why don't you go ahead and go first? Since since you're sort of the guest this time, I'll let let you go first. I'll be All right. Well, well, (laughs) mine is from uh, a few years ago, I think 2014. Um, developed by Evolution Studios, which are kind of defunct, but not quite. And it is Drive Club, which was a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Mm-hmm. And so just really quickly, for those who aren't aware or haven't played the game because it's only on one platform, for example, it was kind of a pseudo-arcade racer, but it still sort of felt authentic. Mm-hmm. It was mainly about, about road cars, and it was on fictional locations. Uh, the graphics are unbelievable. But sometimes the gameplay was a little bit soulless mm. and it was mired in problems for many years, but then was was updated forever. I don't know if you remember any like uh, controversy around it, Justin, back in the day. Um, I didn't. So because of because it was an exclusive, I didn't play it and I didn't right. keep up with it all that much. But I do remember people talking about it and stuff like that. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, it was a bit mixed and it, yeah. it, it almost wasn't mixed. From people, it was mixed depending on what part of the game you were talking about. Is, right. is sort of what I remember. Yeah. So, so the the point of Drive Club is, if you take the driving aspect, I don't think that was ever in doubt. But the mm-hmm. club aspect with this was this sort of trying to be innovative with the online. That's right. And, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. And 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 they had um, trials and stuff and tests for it, which clearly in the end, basically they were having big problems with the netcode, and. It was delayed by about a year or so was the release. It was going to be like a PS4 launch title or launch window, and it and it, it missed that, unfortunately, because of primarily the online issues. And then when it did come out, um, apparently when a few reviewers were playing the game, the online was working fine. As soon as more than six people went online on, on day of launch, <laughs> which is a common thing that happens with games, but it was cataclysmic. And to the point where the online basically didn't work for months. I'm going to say months. And so the whole club element of it didn't work. So basically, as you're driving in the game, even on each corner, depending if it's like a drift mode or a race or time trial, on your friends uh, friends list on PlayStation, a little challenge would pop up as you're driving along. And so obviously you've got your own objectives to progress the single-player career, but there's like these little mini ones which are based around how well your friends have done. None of that really worked or was reliable, oh. unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And then another element, and it was a really cool feature, 
Right, I was thinking that's super neat, and then yeah, 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 yeah. it was not working at all. You'd come up on a corner, and it would be like, oh, this mate has got a certain drift score in here as you're doing the level. It was like a live reactive thing. And then also you could join friends to create a club, and if all of your friends in a club were doing well, you'd get bonus XP as well, and that and that didn't work, unfortunately, hence the name of the game. Um, there was also going to be some element of it that was free on PlayStation Plus. That was delayed as well, again, because of these online issues. So it was just, um, I think everybody's learned from games like this. When you launch a game that has a heavy online focus, there's like enough servers involved. The code has had a beta test with enough people. I'm not saying everything's perfect these days, but certainly it's a lot, a lot better than this. And that was that was the big disaster, basically. And did this come out around the same time as The Crew? I think the crew came slightly later. Slightly uh, later, okay. Yeah, and that was an open world and this wasn't. But certainly in terms of the crew, um, you could join together in a crew, hence the name of the game, right? Right. And that's face what... together and get bonus points. So that element's very similar. Good good shout. And that kind of worked on the crew. And there was a big beta, which sort of put a lot of people off because the gameplay was a bit dull, right? But at least they got the, the, the internet <laughs> side of things working and it got it out there and, and maybe with drive club they just didn't get enough people playing it and stress testing the servers uh, you know i don't know but but ultimately this game aged well because two, for two reasons one they stuck at it for many years uh obviously they finally got the online working i'm pretty sure that that meant a load of expense meant the game was never profitable and maybe that's why there was right. never a sequel right. also the reputation was kind of tarnished for that brand name right um but they did this amazing uh dlc season pass which is extremely extensive, um, had wonderful cars and challenges. They added uh, new tracks, and I believe from memory all tracks were were free. So that's sort of the template that we like in DLC these days, where mm -hmm. tracks are free but cars are paid for, that's fine. Yep. And also um, they added bikes, which is really random. And the bikes were really amazing. The bikes really? were better handling than most motorcycle games these days. <laughs> and huh. by this point, the game had been completely forgotten about, and it was a real right. shame. Um, but it was Drive Club Bikes, which... Sounds like a separate game. But Could you race the bikes with the cars? No, you couldn't. Okay, it was okay. Like a separate. It was a separate career path. I figured that was too much to ask. For, yeah, but... <laughs> right. right. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, I think then Sony had sort of given up on the game partially, but they were trying to launch PlayStation VR, so there was actually a separate Drive Club VR spin-off. Oh, okay. Um, which played ex exactly the same. So from a gameplay point of view, it was like, oh, this is not really that new, but the VR worked great and. On that hardware, the cheap PlayStation 4 with the cheap VR headset, it was a technical marvel, but it came out like I'd already played through the season pass, I'd already done the bikes, but I was playing the same cars and same tracks again. It was a bit right. like, uh, but it also it wasn't a full price release. So that if you combine all that together and if you'd not um, played the game at the time, this game would be amazing. Sadly, the right. online servers are no longer on. So uh, the online element <laughs> doesn't work again. So it's like back at the launch again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's come full circle. It's back, full to, circle. <laughs> back to where it started with online problems, yeah. but for a, for a very different reason. Um, yeah, my experience with Drive Club is, uh, I, rem I think I remember the trailer, uh, which is why I asked about the crew, because I want to say the trailers came around the same time, possibly even the same E3, oh, uh, potentially. Um, but yeah, I remember watching the trailer for it and going 
okay, this looks neat. You know, the graphics yeah. looked really good for the time and the stuff like that. And it, it was just, it was a really well put together trailer as well, yeah. uh, which is sometimes sort of like a lost art form. So it was, it looked really, really cool. And then, yeah, I found out PlayStation exclusive, which yeah. I have mentioned before in the past that I ah. think PlayStation needs to get rid of exclusives because well, I probably would have bought that game for PC. <laughs> that's, a, that's a discussion for another time or another podcast because... <laughs> I disagree with you, and you have that. So, and we know this. So we'll we'll talk about. We that won't. We, yeah, we won't get sidetracked well, on that one. I mentioned this game as well because it, because uh, we well you did um, a social post on the Traction DG yes. social channels, right? Yes. And still now that photo mode in this game holds up. Like, the best photo we got on that on that social media post where I asked for people's in-game racing game photos. Yeah. The my favorite, my personal favorite. Yeah was from Drive Club, and it right. looked absolutely incredible. Yeah, and this is an old game now, seven years old. Yeah. Uh, apart from the DLC, it was basically, you know, dropped. Unfortunately, no no sequel. But there is a spiritual successor, kind of-ish. <laughs> no, that's a bit tenuous. But basically, the team that make it were obviously ditched from Sony, but Codemasters bought them the entire team, and they made one of Justin's favorite games, which is Onrush. Ah! Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, uh, lastly, they've made Dirt 5. So, so, they, so another console exclusive, unfortunately, which was uh, again my big complaint with Onrush. Just put it on PC. I'm begging. Ah, uh, yeah, right. Sorry, yeah, I'm with you now. Yeah, Onrush on, on PC. Yeah, sorry. Yep. Yeah, but Dead Five was, and so if you want to get, and it has a really good photo mode. So um, I don't think there's coincidence there. It's clearly the same. Oh, good. Yeah, very good point there, actually. Because, yeah, Onrush, uh, I spent a lot of time, actually, in that photo mode. Probably <laughs> almost as much time playing it. Right, yeah. Uh, which which was really impressive. And it just had um, it just had a style to it that I that I really appreciated. Yeah. Was very Drive Club si sort of similar? Did it have... Yeah. I, th I thought it felt quite quite unique in its aesthetics and the, the like we say the, the photo mode was was great it really sort of set itself apart which is quite nice but also maybe that was to the detriment of its sales which also applies to Dirt 5 and Onrush weirdly right <laughs> <laughs> so at least they're consistent yeah. okay well uh we'll, we'll move on for that one yep. I'll go ahead I'll, I'll go with my first one yep. um and my first one is actually from uh, a similar time um about seven or eight years ago it <laughs> is, it is. yeah yeah uh, and it is, in fact, uh, Assetto Corsa on the PC, um, which is is a game that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, I used to do YouTube stuff. I used to think myself a oh, content okay. creator at, at yeah. one point. Um, but I was one of those people that quickly found out that he enjoyed one aspect of the content creation process and hated all the other aspects of the content creation process. <laughs> so I gave up on that and decided to just get a, get a job instead. Um, but well, here we are. <laughs> I, I did I, exactly. So now I get to talk about a set of course instead of playing it, which is arguably better for me anyway. But um, <laughs> I did a whole YouTube series uh, where I pl where I played oh, okay. a set of Corsa, and I did dozens of episodes <laughs> of this game. But let's let's before we before we get ahead of ourselves, let's go back to a set of Corsa. So this was a PC only game initially that came out as right. an early access game yeah. on PC uh, yeah. on Steam specifically, mm -hmm. um, and it. Mm, it, it wasn't very good. It's a small team. We should mention that as well. Yeah. Um, it's from Kunos Simulatsi. 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 Something Italian. 
<laughs> yep, exactly. It's harder to pronounce than competizione. <laughs> uh, but Kunos, <laughs> as I like to call them, um, they released this game with a very small team. You could tell there was a lot of passion that it was put together by car nerds like you and me. Yeah, probably right. The, the people listening uh, mm-hmm. to this podcast as well. This was put together by people that were very, very passionate about cars and not just racing cars, but road cars as well, too, which is part of what I really liked um, about Assetto Corsa. There was a lot of um, uh, issues with it, though. Um, yep. It was a very shallow game. Mm. There wasn't a whole lot going on. The graphics were good, but you really needed a, a bit of a monster PC in order right. to run it. I remember mm. the early days of Assetto Corsa having a black bar at the top of my screen that said high CPU usage. Ah, all Uh-oh. the time. It <laughs> never went away. No matter what was going on, I was getting high CPU yep. usage. I don't know why they felt the need to obscure 10% of my screen to tell me that I had high CPU usage, but there we have it. Um, and the multiplayer wasn't that great. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't that great. It's sort it's of... Still- to set stuff up, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of akin to uh, Wreckfest. So it's not impossible to set up a server and get it running. Ah. And all, and uh, but it, it it wasn't amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you have a point well, on that? I have a small point on that because, sorry, uh, on console, because Assetto Corsa, this is the OG one, not the Competizione, which is current now, but this is the OG one. Um, one of the reasons it sort of improved over time was how they improved some of the online elements. And just like Wreckfest, like you mentioned there, on console, they did add at a later date like a server browser and private lobbies, mm-hmm. which was like really great. I remember for ages, my friends we were playing it, and oh, there wasn't a way of actually playing it online properly. And mm-hmm. then they did improve that, which was really good. And now that lives on, and you can still play it online to this day, get some friends together. And that's, and I'm, a, and Wreckfest also has these private lobbies on console, which is, a, which is a big help. So that was just the parallel I'd like to make there. That's all. Also, a set of course that didn't have any sort of customization, um, which was, I mean, a real problem yeah, yeah, yeah. at the time uh, with Catching PC racing games. Right. right, exactly, exactly. Um, and that is something that sort of uh, changed, um, not in Assetto Corsa, but that, that's something that's changed in the right. in the racing game world by developers uh, over time. We're, we're starting to get more and more PC racing games that have that kind of customization and stuff like that, which is great. Um, but yeah, Assetto Corsa didn't, didn't really have it. It, it um, had those weird, like, almost pre-tuned cars don't you remember that it was like yes. stage one stage stage two, one stage, three. stage two yeah the uh the lotus exige 240r <laughs> which was one of my favorite cars had yeah. like three different power variants also there was like a million lotus cars in there yeah <laughs> like way way more than any other brand but yep. fine yeah it was like there was the 211 the exige the evora just uh, yeah it pretty much kept one yep the, yeah the uh the one that they drove on top gear uh the T T uh, uh, some, the somebody's effect. listening to this right now and they're screaming out the name at their at their screen or, or wherever they are. Um, but yes, yeah, the the uh, the the F one car that you could buy from Lotus that was uh, featured on Top Gear back in the uh, oh the yeah yeah you're right yeah yeah the, wait Jean Alessi was uh, doing it it was great yes that's I right that's the one that's the one so. Um, but and it didn't in the early days it didn't have the mod support either not or, or it didn't have the vastness of mm. quantity of mods yeah, to choose yeah. from either so 
Early days, Assetto Corsa was was a little bit frustrating. And and uh, again, this is something that I've kind of briefly touched on before. But the Assetto Corsa career mode, which came out um, not that long after, it was like a couple years, a year or two. It maybe it's definitely was included in the console from launch in 2016. And okay. the PC version came out in, at the end of 2014. So somewhere in that period, the career mode was added, yeah. added I think. Yeah, yeah it was. A sh- and uh, you could tell that they <laughs> kind of put it together kind of quickly because mm. it was it was not the most. It, it was more uh, a series of challenges than a career mode. And very difficult ones, it must add. It was. It was very frustrating. Uh, I had a video of me getting very mad at <laughs> one of them. Right. Driving, no surprise, a Lotus around Silverstone, um, and yeah, it was it was a little bit frustrating. But but they did turn things around. So they added uh, DLCs uh, yep. to the game, car packs specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, they added my favorite version of the Nordschleife ever in a video game, um, the laser scanned Nordschleife that came around for. And I can only imagine how much it cost for them to laser scan the Nordschleife. I know. It, it, it must have been though. expensive. It must have been expensive. But um, yeah, my favorite version of the Nordschleife and that YouTube series that I mentioned earlier, that was entirely based on the Nordschleife. So uh, that came out uh, right after I had done a couple episodes of uh, me driving the Nordschleife on a on a mod version. So the uh, one that had been created uh, by somebody in the community. And it was really good. I don't know who created it. Otherwise, I would totally shout them out. It was really, really good. Wasn't quite as good as the laser scan one, but it was still very, very good. Uh, and I'd started driving that in different cars, almost in a way to compare cars. Um, you know, so I, I would have like a right. power. How would it perform in front of Exactly. So this car gets a seven mm. minute 30 and this car gets an eight minute 30 and uh, just kind of like a benchmark, really. Yeah. Um, and I turned it into into a whole thing, especially after the laser laser scan version came out, and especially with those great car packs that were coming out. Yeah, I remember my I, favorite. I bought all was, those. Yeah. My favorite was the Japanese car pack. Did you have a favorite? I uh, I didn't have a favorite car pack, but I can understand why you yours was a favorite Japanese, <laughs> Japanese one. And that was another one that had pre-tuned cars, by the way. You could yeah. um, it was an AE86, uh, the Toyota Corolla, Sprinter, Trueno, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there was a regular version, so it was just stock version of the car with its 120, 130 horsepower, whatever it had. Not much. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and then there was a version, a drift version uh, that you could get, and then there was like a, a racing version that you could get as well too. So there was like three different versions of it, and I took all three out on the Nordschleife uh, for half hour long videos, and co- you know, fully commentated and everything. Like that was the love that I had for Assetto Corsa. But those early days, it was yeah. it was pretty rough. And since then. Uh, the mod scene has absolutely exploded since then. Um, we have a streamer on our stream team, for example, named Arrow, uh, who does a set of course of drifting using just a raft of mods. You know, it's an incredible amount of mods for the the cars, the tracks. I think even like the tire, the way the tire physics work is a mod to the game. Um, wow. So it's yeah, it's very very in depth, but well, he's turned it into something completely different, which I really appreciate about it. Although um, the drifting was always in there quite, it, it was, was a drift circuit from the start, right? But yes. it was I found it very very difficult to control. But yes. also I think for the drifting you don't. I had a gear driven steering wheel and probably actually a belt driven might be better for drifting actually. Uh, before mm-hmm. it was says direct drive as well. I think probably belt driven might be better just for drifting, um, mm-hmm. but. What I would say about mods is like the game has aged well regardless of those. Yes. Because, yes. because um it still plays well now. 
And it's only if you go back to it, you go, okay, well, the visuals are a bit secondhand and some of the career's shoddy, but the handling and the way the cars drive is still better than a lot of games that have come out of late. So Yeah. And it doesn't feel, doesn't feel, even might look like it, especially with the menus and stuff, doesn't feel like six and a half years old. Um, but then on the flip side to the mods, you know, when Formula One, the sport, wants to preview its Jeddah street circuit, it used Assetto Corsa, not the Formula One. Yes. Very random. Yes, it did. It did that for Jeddah and, and uh, it, I think they may have done it, it for Hanoi as well a, a little while when they did Hanoi possibly. But yes, yeah, they, they turned to uh, to them to do those, which is OGAC. Absolutely incredible. And uh, shout out to Arrow. If you guys haven't checked out Arrow Drifting on Assetto Corsa, it is actually incredible. I mean, it yeah, is yeah. unlike anything I've ever seen done in a racing game before. Um, and it makes me really, really want a racing rig to, to get to make that work, so that I can I can get in on some of that too. Because I've done drifting in Forza, but ne- not on the like that's a whole nother level that he's doing. So okay, we've talked we've talked probably yeah. too long about a set of yeah, Forza. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom, why don't you go ahead and give me your second game? Oh, second one, fa- fairly obvious and fairly recent. So just to be clear, um, I don't think any of our choices are going to be particular uh, modern classics or retro games, but that could be for another time and comment on YouTube, on the website, if you've got or, or social media, if you've got any others. So I'm going to go for another recent one around a similar sort of time, actually, as what we've talked about. <laughs> Strangely, that is the original, the first Dirt Rally. And the reason why this improved over time is, like I said, of course, it was early access to start with. But but more so, importantly, this was a simulation rally game, whereas the previous Codemasters rally game, like the Colin McCurry rally and the Dirt series to that point, were authentic and you definitely had a great time. This was a bit more serious, but it was more of a skunk works project. So in order to get it through the, the management and the financial decisions, it was through early access, which at the time was very weird for a quote-unquote large company like Codemasters. Triple A, yeah. Exactly. Um, and so to see it then be picked up by the community and loved and enjoyed and get enough of an audience to then continue to add to it in early access and then to finally release the final version on PC and console and even uh, VR editions on PC and PlayStation was very, very satisfying. Obviously, there was also uh, DLC and consistent updates for it. But I think the main reason why it's aged... So that's that's probably the main reason, actually, why it's aged well, right? But, but also, I think it also set a template for... Oh, there is actually a market for a serious rally game after yeah. Richard Burns' rally. Um, we've seen now that the WRC games have got a bit more serious in the handling game. There was a sequel for this game as well. But if you still go back and play it now, it's still a good, driving, serious rally game. And that's key. It still holds up now. And for me, because uh, I've actually played that one, um, it was one of the best career mode experiences, the progression on it was right. so good and 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 as i just mentioned when i was talking about Assetto corsa at that time especially it seemed like the pc side was really starved for that kind of experience yeah. specifically within a racing game so correct um i even though i was complete garbage at the game and i i was absolutely terrible i am not i am not <laughs> a rally difficult. driver a difficult as game. it turns out <laughs> um but i i still had an absolute blast with it and i, I loved the depth of it the the yeah. repairs and stuff like that so would you yes. say this one would you say this one is more of uh is aged well just because looking back on it like yeah. you know it, it was so this is one that it wasn't 
bad and then got better has you know got better it was good from the start right it was good from the start they evolved it but it was pioneering in many ways it sort of set the template and and one thing that i really highlights how this game has aged well is that when dirt rally 2.0 came out um it had an amount of content perhaps it was arguable it wasn't enough but there was a four seasons of dlc Mm-hmm. And every rally stage that came to it, apart from one pack at the end, was actually remasters of the Dirt Rally 1 stages. So the first stages were so good, uh... they re-released them as the DLC for Dirt Rally 2. <laughs> and yes, they played better and the physics were more advanced and you had more cars in the second game. Yeah, great. And it, but it just shows how good, especially those fin- stages in Finland were in the first Dirt Rally, that they actually revisited them for the second game. So that was just uh, another reason why it held up so well. It was like, oh, yes, these were amazingly well-designed stages. And would you say uh, Dirt Rally has aged better than a non-Rally Dirt game? Oh, yes. Yes. I do think Dirt 3 is a really good game, if that's what you mean. Mm -hmm. Or Dirt Showdown, they're both good fun. But they don't play quite as well in the current age as today. Now, Now, They were older, so that's perhaps a bit unfair. Right. But um, let me put it to you this way. Dirt 4 came after Dirt Rally, and Dirt Rally is a better game. And Dirt Rally and Dirt Rally 2.0 both have VR, right? Um, Yes, but Dirt Rally 2 only has VR on PC. But the first Dirt Rally has it on uh, console as well, which is quite nice. Interesting. And I've always thought that was really strange, too, because um, there's been no inkling of VR from the F1 side of Codemasters yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, uh, I yeah. guess there's a risk-reward investment sort of thing. And because right. the first Dirt Rally was early access, maybe they sort of were like, oh, let's go for the hardcore audience. VR is a bit weird in it, though, because if you turn around, the rear of the car isn't modelled. It's just like a oh. <laughs> it's like a grey wall or something. <laughs> so you can, look, you can look into the apex, which is great. But if you look behind, don't look. Yeah, it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was actually just thinking that. Maybe that's why... Uh, they did VR for Dirt Rally and not for F1 because you do need, you know, you're getting sideways and you're, I mean, you're looking yeah. out the side window of the car sometimes. With Whereas F1, F1 with, with the, those little shoulder things, you, maybe the driver doesn't actually look that much. I don't know. Anyway, right. it would be you'd, cool. You'd be looking over essentially just to yeah. see ca- other cars for battling mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And yeah, maybe. But maybe. anyway. Any, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any other uh, points to make on? Uh, no, no. On Dirt? That, that's why I think Dirt Rally still stands up. Perfect. Um, about, okay. What's your What's your next game? So my my uh, my second one is a bit of a strange one, and it's very different from from the ones we've talked about so far. Um, and it's a game that I haven't played in a very very long time, but I look back on very fondly, um, which is why I've picked it. Um, and this is the Initial D arcade game. Specifically, right. specifically the arcade game. I did actually get the initial D game um, for PS2. I think it was um, for. I think there was a PlayStation 2 version of it, but it, it just it didn't it didn't have the same sort of feel to it. You know, it, it just wasn't as rewarding. And maybe it was because I was coming from. I played the arcade version first, um, and just to just to clarify for people, especially young people out there. Uh, this is a game that is nearly 20 years old now, I want to say, actually. Right. Um, it's extremely old, in fact. Um, 
And it's actually my first experience with a racing video game on a wheel ever. Right. I'm, I'm, just to clarify, when you say arcade, it's in a physical arcade. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. This not is an back arcade when, game. We're not talking about this genre. It's right. Like, you had to put quarters in the machine right. and then you get to play it for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And then it's over. For, again, this is for the young people watching at home. Oh, man. That have never people think DLC is bad these days. <laughs> right? So, um, so yeah, this is based on the popular Japanese anime uh, Initial D, um, which was a uh, Japanese cartoon sort of for teens, um, you know, like a young adult thing. It, it wasn't for adults and it wasn't for children. There were some very serious topics actually that got covered on Initial D. I won't go into those on the, on this podcast, but um uh but yeah, it was for for like young adults like, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds, uh those those sorts of people. Um and it was very popular. Uh it was, you know, if anybody that knows anime know that knows that you pretty much have an anime for everything. You know, there's like a volleyball anime, there's like a swimming anime, there's an ice skating anime. And this was the drifting anime. And I think they worked with um uh choices here. Two drift late games kind of. Anyway, sorry. Uh I think they worked with uh Keiichi Suchiya, who is commonly known as the Drift King. I, I know that person. Yes, I've heard of it. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and if Arrow is listening to this podcast, he will he will definitely be knowing all about this stuff as well, too. Anybody that's firmly in the drifting scene will already know about this, so I apologize. I'm explaining this stuff, though, for people that are, you know, the uninitiated, yeah, yeah. unfamiliar, that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's it was an arcade racing game uh, that had a physical wheel. So, you know, it was like when you would go play Daytona USA and it had a wheel, but it was it was much better than Daytona USA. And it was based on the anime, so you would drive the um, the toge roads, the the Japanese mountain roads downhill. Um, specifically, was what Initial Day was about was about racing downhill in cars that weren't ultra powerful. You know, a lot of them were were tuned, but not massively. So we're talking about uh, you know a '90s uh, RX-7 uh, twin turbo RX-7 that's got you know maybe 300, 400 horsepower going up uh, against the Toyota Corolla from, from the same sort of time. And the 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 arcade game kind of followed that. So you would pick, you had like the AE86 Toyota Corolla, you had an S14, an S13, a 180SX, uh, a Skyline. All JDM stuff. Exactly, exactly. And and this was, uh, this was actually post Fast and Furious, I think, when the game came out. So I, th I think that had a little bit of an influence potentially, just, you know, the car tuner culture and that kind of stuff. And what was great about the game, uh, and this is, so this is one, again, uh, just like your second pick, uh, this is a game that was great right away. Um, right. It's not that it got better, you know, with time or anything like that. But it's just, you know, when I think about it, when I look back on it, I'm like, man, I, I miss that. I miss that experience about it. So the way the game worked was, you would pay extra the first time you played, uh, and the and the machine would spit out a, a card. Um, I don't know. I should have gotten my. I, I have some still. I have them still around. I still have these cards. So a physical card. Yes. Comes uh, out the game. Maybe I'll tweet out a picture. They're they're filthy because right. they're like you know 15 years old <laughs> or something. They've been sitting in my wallet forever. So, uh, but I'll tweet out a picture from the traction account as, uh, since I don't have it to show right now. And plus, people are probably listening anyway, so that doesn't make sense. But. Uh, um, you would get this card. So you pay a little extra. You pay like $2 the first time you play it. Uh, and it, you would get given this card. And every time you play the game after that at the arcade, you would bring your card and you would pop the arcade into, uh, you pop the card into the arcade machine and it would load up your save data. 
and it would remember like what how your car was tuned. It would remember your name and you know all your best runs, and I think possibly even ghost data. Wow, so you could wow, like wow, wow. yeah, you could see your own uh, ghost car and race against yourself and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was just totally unique. I don't know if it was unique for Japan um, because it was a very you know mm. Japanese. I don't know if it, that it actually got localized when I played it. Um, at the Good Times Arcade in Boston, Massachusetts. That's where I used to go. Good I used Times to take Arcade. A, that's right. And I used to take a two-hour bus ride to go play this game. Oh, wow. That must be it, good. Well, they had a good DDR machine, and I was really into DDR at the time, too. So oh, I was good. going there for multiple reasons. I had friends out there, too. So I wasn't just going for Initial D, but that was a big part sure. of it, sure. to be honest. It really was a big part of it. Um, and I think it was just in Japanese and I, you know, you just had to like ask people that were there like, Hey, wh where do I go to, <laughs> to select things and stuff like that? Um, why do you think it still like, uh, holds up? Is it just because it was so much fun? We need more games that are more like in that style these days. Yes. So it was a racing game in that the, and the emphasis was on game more on racing, which is the right. weird part. Um, and a lot of times it was just a time trial run that you were doing uh, when you were showing up. Like you could race, but because these were on Japanese mountain roads, they're very narrow and racing was kind of just staying close to the AI car in front of you. So a lot of times you were just kind of racing by yourself. But what was the interesting mechanic about this game, and it wasn't realistic at all. So don't don't think it had like realistic physics that behaved at all like the real world or anything like that. Um, but what it did do was your car got faster the better you drove. So it was almost <laughs> like the horsepower on your car went up as right. you did your run. So, um, and that, that's why I say it was more of a game than, than a racer. So um, you would go, so if you made a mistake in the first corner, you were, your run was screwed. Uh, similarly, like, I can almost compare it to Dance Dance Revolution because I was playing Dance Dance Revolution at the time. Dance Dance Revolution, you start up a song and you start going. If you make a mistake at the start, that means you can no longer full combo the song. Oh, right. You okay. hit every single step. You've now made that mistake. You can't, you get, you're just going to have to start over from the very beginning. Similar sort of thing with Initial D. You needed a perfect run all the way through. It wasn't about like, oh, I made a mistake at turn one. So, you know, now I need to have a little bit more commitment in the next turns. It was it was more of that reward. Exactly, exactly. And it was it was that kind of game mechanic to it where you got faster and faster. So if you really nailed the opening set of corners, then you would actually be carrying more speed on that straight in the middle of the course than you would if you had hit the barrier a couple of times. Right. So it, it was a game that actually rewarded you really, really effectively, actually, for not making any sort of mistakes. So it, it was it was not just about hitting your apexes and drifting, because, again, yeah. it's all about drifting. So you're drifting the whole time pretty much constantly. Um, and much like Mario Kart, you know, it's faster to drift than to not to drift, that sort of stuff. Um, but it, it rewarded perfection. And I, I think that's the kind of thing that is completely absent from racing right. games these days. And and if it does exist, it would be in a game like Art of Rally, some sort of like top-down arcade sort of thing, not in a game where you're sat behind the wheel and turning it and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's a little bit of a lost well, art form. Well, something must have uh, clicked with this because there is, uh, this year, a new Initial D game only in Japan and only in arcades, which is weird, right? Because <laughs> I thought that industry was over. 
But Sega <laughs> is still making initial on. D games with a wheel in arcades only and not localizing them. So, um, all right, there must be something yeah. to it. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm very interested. So I, I looked. I looked that up um, and just did a quick, like, kind of uh, uh, just YouTube video, just l- looking at it and stuff like that. And it looks very, very interesting. I'm super interested. Um, we do sometimes get Japanese arcade machines here in Houston, where I live. It's a very diverse city and stuff like that. Um, we used to get Japanese DDR machines at some of the more upscale arcades and stuff like that. So um, it's certainly possible. We we also have. I don't know if you get these in the UK. We have places called Dave and Buster's where it's like an adult arcade uh, where you go and they serve beer and, you know, hot, uh, hot wings and all yeah, that kind of d- stuff. Under a different name, something similar to that has, has started, but just sort of it was coming becoming a trend, but COVID happened and everything shut down. Right. So and that's, that's now we're opening up again. I don't know if those have survived, but there certainly was something like that near me. Yeah. Gotcha. So that's where I would expect to find it. If so, um, for those listening at home that are say, you know saying, "Oh, you know that sounds interesting. I, I might want to give it a go." Um, your opportunity may be coming up potentially, but again, uh, most likely if you're in you know like a populated area, a major city or something like that. If you're outside Japan, yeah, you're probably going to need to be in a in a uh, major. But- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go look online. See if. Uh, See if any of your um, local arcades, if you have any uh, big local arcades, if they have that. But again, I highly recommend it. It takes a lot of getting used to, especially if you're a sim racer, which I wasn't at the time. So that's how I was able to just jump in and have a lot of fun with it. So it might be a little bit weird coming from somebody who's used to iRacing or R-Factor or you know something really hardcore like that. It's a totally different experience. Yeah, right. Again, it's it's sort of like a lost art form. I really I really think that, and it it sort of harkens back to the day when games were games rather than simulators. <laughs> so that's enough about Initial D, a game that most people can't play. <laughs> so sorry, sorry to right. pick. hey. We're all about the different games and the weird games attraction, so it's all good. We did a great job with the first three. We picked games that are still, you know, you can still go play. You can pick them up right now very easily. And then for the last one. But we do want to pick some um, honorable mentions. Yeah. And anybody that's a regular listener to the yeah, podcast. what could they be? I wonder, I wonder. I think you're going to say GT Sport and I'm going to say Forza Horizon 4. Yeah. By the way, it's the other no. round. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's the other way around. And I mean, to be fair, we're both right, though. And in yeah. in the case of those games, so I'm not going to pick a specific Forza Horizon. I would say just Forza Horizon in general has aged ni- very nicely as as a as a, uh, a franchise, you know, um, since since it's first come around. Um, and also the updates have improved it a lot. I remember Forza Horizon three, my introduction to the series. It was a little. It was a rough around the edges on the PC side, is is how I'll put it. You know, there was some problems with wheel support and um, just lots of glitches and and weird stuff. But they've had however many years it's been now um, working on the PC side of uh, of Forza Horizon, um, and it's just gotten a lot better with all the updates. Apart from the Steam version, apparently that's a boogie. Right. <laughs> I don't. I don't know anything about the Steam version. I'm not. No. No mention <laughs> on that one. Um, but certainly. You know, they, they've added things like the custom course creator where you can make your own courses and stuff like that. Um, the Super 7 stuff as well, um, I think, has, has all been really good uh, additions. Yeah, plus at least two cars still new to the game every month. Which exactly. A big thing. Uh, yeah, so obviously GT Sport, I mean, I've talked about it many times. It was uh, a bit of a shell when it came out, but the online innovation was really cool. And then they built upon that with some more single player stuff. But I would also like to shout out to uh, Race Room which has been very quiet for a long time, as one that could age better later this year, 
because if you go on the traction.gg website, there's an article where they've announced a roadmap. I think they've had some fresh investment. And so they're going to go back in, change the false feedback, change the particle effects, all this good stuff alongside new content. Um, Wreckfest is a good one as well. I mean, there's loads. And for me, one game that was it's similar to Initial D-ish, in that it's an arcade game on by Sega. Uh, I still now, if there's an arcade that I can go to at the seaside or something in the UK, I would I will play Sega Rally 2. Uh, not that it improved over time, but it's still a fun game now. Hydro Thunder. I'm throwing that in as well. Oh, okay. There fun, you go. Fun arcade <laughs> game. Uh, but yes, I did want to just briefly mention, uh, if we hadn't just done an entire episode dedicated to Wreckfest, yeah. we probably both would exactly. have picked Wreckfest. <laughs> so yeah, the yeah. only reason we haven't talked about Wreckfest until the very end no, listen is to because one. we have a whole episode dedicated to Wreckfest and why you should all be playing it because it is the best racing game of our generation. Uh, everyone should go play. And th- this that's, is coming from a guy that... Cold. That says Forza Horizon 4 is incredible. So, um, okay, that is going to do it, though, for today's episode. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, uh, Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. You want to get notified, of course, about the next episode. Also, check out our website at traction.gg for all the latest racing game news, reviews, hardware, esports, the podcast, and much more. And give us a follow on social media at traction.gg on most platforms. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Tom for joining me and keep it pinned.